This is Mission.org. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. Being a part of a university is such an interesting world. You're essentially part of building and running a small city. And that's definitely the case for the University of Texas here in Austin. Sometimes it can be hard to know what direction you need to take things. Do you treat it like a typical direct-to-consumer business? Do you treat it like a B2B? And how do you really know who the target customer is? These are all things that we dove in today with my guest, Emily Reagan, the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at the University of Texas right here in Austin. And the basic starting point, the biggest thing she really took away from the early days, relationships. Relationships are really, really important. The role of marketing in organizations is typically not the one calling the shots on the strategies. In smart companies, they're obviously at the table at part of those conversations, but they're not necessarily the lead. They're often a partner, they're an influencer, that's who you're really there to help make their job easier. And so I think that's just a really important thing, regardless of what function that you're in, is to understand who your internal customer is and really being clear about how you can work together and how you can build trust. She shares so much insight on this episode, not just about the university, but also her experience working at other brands, software companies and the like. She had a lot of really cool things happen before joining UT. Emily was also one of the first guests in the studio this year, so this was super exciting for me and the Mission Squad here. You guys are going to get so much from this episode. Let's get into it. I want to ask you kind of what are you kind of most excited to talk about? There's a lot going on at UT, a lot in your role. Head of marketing, head of communications, it's encompassing a lot. I think the strategic plan that we will launch in April is a huge part of my job. I'm on the advisory committee. I'm uh, heavily involved in that effort. I'm heavily involved around the rollout of that. You know, I I mentioned uh, that I'm, I came into this role just about a year ago and what the president and I want to do with this function is quite different than what it was built for originally. Mm. And um, and so I think um, we are at such an interesting and exciting moment in our history as a university, um, in our city, in our state. And um, so the the timing and the ingredients are really good for how do we take advantage of this? How do we position ourselves for really succeeding there. And wow. so um, so I'm thinking about, I'm developing a more comprehensive marketing and communication strategy that will ladder up to the strategic plan and that will 
tell that story of impact. Um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about what organizational design and structure I need to support those efforts. You know, I've just hired a new level of leadership that didn't exist before. And so, um, so that there's, okay. I, I, you know, what we have here is I think, you know, we have an ambitious president who really wants to see us build on success and just kind of elevate. Wow. So, you know, for, I mean, for a lot of people, certainly in the U.S. and certainly in Texas, I mean, you, there's, you know, UT, you know, UT is this tier one university. Look, it's, it's, of course, it's a big deal here in Austin. But if you look at the university, just from academia, from research, from, I mean, it's like, it's, it remains this, it's a, it's such a unique brand in that it's not just a university. It's not just a place for research. It's so much more to that brand. And so I get excited about thinking, you know, you and the kind of, like you said, like you and the, um, the president, right. Coming together and being like, what are we going to do here? Right. I mean, and the impact of doing things like that at UT is massive. It's not just, just, it doesn't just impact UT. This is a, you know, this is huge. So I'd love to kind of get into what's some of the like early conversation with you and the president, what's some of the things that you kind of were kicking around together about kind of, you know, some, some ways clearing the table and setting the board for this year. Well, what was that conversation like? What are some of the things maybe you guys were connecting around? Well, um, you know, one of the key things is that UT is an unbelievably big decentralized entity. Um, I describe it as an aircraft carrier. <laughs> um, and, you know, as an aircraft carrier, you're big and massive and you plot a course and, and the, and the, you know, the, the good side of being a, an aircraft carrier or the positive of that is like, you can take a lot of fire and it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really affect your course, but it also means that it's tough to shift course. But when you think about shifting that course and the impact that you can have, the size and the scale that we have as a university, we have more first-gen students than probably any other university because it's nearly 30% of our population and our student population is 50,000. So, uh, or excuse me, our undergraduates, about 40,000. But, but we have just a huge, uh, the ability to impact at scale when you look at our student population around um, kind of the number and percentage of underrepresented students that we have at our university. Mm. And so it, we have the ability to really propel social mobility and uh, knowledge and impact in a way that not many universities have. Wow. And so we talk a lot about that. And and it's easy to just get caught, and I do every many days, just get caught in running the trains and fighting the battles mm -hmm. and dealing with the press and dealing with social. And that's definitely a big part of, of navigating through the, the role. But, um, but when we talk about what we want to accomplish, we really want to, we really want to have impact. And part of that, from a, from a marketing and communications perspective, we talk a lot about uh, how do we create more unity? In our messaging, you know, the, the big decentralized mm -hmm. uh, universities tough to to create unification yeah. around around messages and around communications, and um, we're getting better at that. Uh, but there's always been this kind of like, well, there's the presence office, and then there's this other office, and this other group, and this right. other, and 
you know, that's hard to to really break through when yeah. everybody's kind of saying a little bit different. So yeah. the president has really been um, leaned into the fact that like we need to, as a leadership team, yeah. we you know, we can have lots of debate and discussion, whatever, but we got to be on the same page and then we got to all communicate the same. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the CMO role is, is in my opinion, like the most interesting, unique role in the exact, at the executive level, you have to be at this intersection of all the other, you know, core functions of business. You have to align with all the stakeholders. Then you take you at the university level, like you said, you've got years and years and years of relationships way before you. There's lots of funding, lots of money, lots of opinions. This is not just one people sitting in one space. It's like you said, a pretty big decentralized historical experience. Now you've got to win these people over. You've got to come with a new plan, a new strategy. You know, not everyone's going to love it. And so I think the story that I make up is that it's maybe even a bigger battle for you because there's, I mean, you just, there's so much entrenched relationships and the way things were and so many people you have to influence and win over. And then I like how you go back to you and the president are aligned on the strategy because you need him and he needs you to be able to you know, really move it forward. But What's it like being at the intersection at the university level of like press and also internal stakeholders and team and like, how are you managing all that? That's impressive. <laughs> well, um, I hope I have more wins than losses. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, uh, I don't keep a regular tally, but, um, but I, I do, um, I spent some time doing some leadership development work last week. And that was one of the things we did was like, like, what are the wins? And because the the losses and the the things that don't go the way that you wish that they would have or that that blow up in your face with no warning and what have you are you know are tough and they they tend to take up your energy the reality is is that we've also had a lot of really great wins and really great successes and they're and they don't have to be huge things so i think it's important at the intersection to take a take a moment from time to time and just probably daily. I, that's probably a practice I could, I could mm -hmm. be better at. It's just kind of recapping. Where did I win today? Mm. What do I want to do better? And, and, but, but really just being happy with the wins because they're, they're, they're hard, they're, they're usually hard fought. And, um, yeah. so, uh, and not because the, the people I'm working with are difficult or the, but the issues are difficult. Sure. There's multiple sides to the issues. And, 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 and inevitably when you make this decision to go this direction, particularly in higher ed, um, uh, more so, I see it more so than I did perhaps in the private sector, you have quite a bit of divergence in terms of opinion right, around right. around whether or not that's the right answer. Right. And and you could easily second guess yourself and, and not stick to mm -hmm. your guns about like, this is what we're going to do. So I, that's particularly hard uh, I think to 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 just get your head wrapped around and to be and to and when you're taking fire and and to be like well but this is where we're going this is what we decided to do and we got to and yeah. we know we're not going to make everyone happy but then at the same time right. it's like where can you um, where can you find places for compromise and mm -hmm. for meeting people halfway and 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 providing different stakeholders a, a win in a different mm -hmm. way so it's a, it's definitely a balance wow what what was your what was like your first, and it's always interesting to hear this from uh, marketing leaders and, and comms leaders is like, what was your first 90 days like? What did you do your first 90 days in the role? So um, my first 90 days in the role, I met everyone on the team. Okay. That was really important. Of course, we were remote. So, um, and, and because I'd been working at UT, I knew a lot of the people that were on my new team. 
and had met them personally. That's good. But there were definitely a number of people I hadn't. So I had a lot of Zoom calls with people I was meeting for the first time. And so the first 90 days of my job included a um, plan around communicating our spring semester plans in the midst of a huge spike, a winter spike around Thanksgiving and Christmas that we were experiencing, mm-hmm. that, I, that we walked into. It had been kind of a moderate fall, mm-hmm. um, but we, we, we went into a winter spike. And so that was kind of what were we going to do about that. The um, second piece was we hired a new football coach. Just a big deal here in, in Texas, by the way. Yeah, huge. And the third other big thrust was um, the winter storm and um, the impact that that had on the university and our people. Oh, and we kicked off our strategic plan in the middle of that. And oh, I, you know, was dealing with attrition and hiring and, you know, you know, the usual kind of daily day-to-day stuff. But those, those three things, the kind of COVID spike, the, the football coach, the um, and this winter storm, were, I would say, were kind of the three big wow. kind of things that happened that we had to communicate and navigate around. Wow. So, I mean, I, re- I mean, I, I mentioned this before when when the when the snowpocalypse gets brought up, you know, here in Austin, it, <laughs> it you know, some of my friends that live here were on a grid you know, with the hospitals, and so they never lost power and water. And you know, me at the time, I was in Lakeway, nice big beautiful house in Lakeway. No power. No power. Couldn't leave our driveway. Had no. We had a fireplace. No wood. I had my two-year-old daughter at the time. We had no power. We had to l- resort to burning some furniture in the fireplace because it was so cold. We had to put visqueen in our living room. Duct tape visqueen blocked us all in. Brought their mattresses in living room. Her and my daughter and then my roommate at the time. And we started like, what can we burn? It was freezing. And so we did that. Then finally, we yeah, we had to. We got our cars out of the driveway after like day two, but then in Lakeway, as you know, it's hilly. And so everyone's sliding off the road. Cops are like, you got to turn around. <laughs> We're like, we have no food and we have no wood, you know? So it was, it was a crazy time. And I can imagine now, oh yeah, we still got to put a plan together and we still have to move this huge aircraft carrier, right? For it's not, it's like, so how did you kind of level set? And I mean, all that's going on. I mean, I, I was in that with you and some of it, not putting a plan together and stuff, but what are some of the things that you're doing to kind of like navigate that? I mean, tumultuous time, you know, as a leader and executive and, and you ha- you still have to do this, but a lot's happening. A lot's going on. A lot is going on. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it was, it was an inter- such an interesting time because, you know, UT is a city. Yep. The, the other the other analogy I will make or, uh, for for what it is, it's a city. Yep. We have our own power source. We have people who live on our campus. We have facilities that we have to manage. We have our own police force. We have all of that. And so so we have um, so when the winter storm happened, we have people living on our campus. And fortunately, we have our own power source, so we didn't lose power. Mm. But we have all these people that live around our campus who didn't have power. And so we worked collectively to um, to create uh, warming stations so that we could mm. bring people that were close to campus who could get there. There were several places around campus where that we would open and, and and that we had and we provided food to students who didn't have meal plans, um, so they could get food. And um, and so we had to communicate all of that. I mean, I, I per, you know there were decisions made in student affairs and university sure. housing, dining, whatever about what we're going to open and how we're going to operate. But then our teams had to come together and had to communicate. I had people on my team who were working from their cars, on their phones, doing press. Um, 
we had the biggest spike in our press coverage during the winter storm because of the experts that we have on energy. Wow. So we're pitching media on our experts to talk about what's happening wow. and getting huge coverage, uh, you know, for, for so many of our, of our experts. So like, that's kind of this, you know, bright spot in, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that we have this expertise sure. and that they turn to, you know, the media turned to us to get the information. And so we were doing a lot of that kind of work. And, and, um, and then, and then we had to, I think we sent out a message almost every day from the president to the community. You know, we were making kind of game, you know, when we, when we made the decision to close for the first couple of days, we didn't know that we were going to end up closing for the whole week. So it was a constant monitoring and checking in on, on what exactly, you know, how dire the situation was. And it was obviously, it got way mm -hmm. worse than anybody anticipated. And so, um, so we were constantly checking in and, and trying to figure out and bringing the right folks together to talk through, can, you know, what do we do next and what do we want to communicate? And so, um, so that was a really, um, the communication was, was really critical. And I, you know, I mean, did we, were there things that we got wrong or things that we could have done better? Uh, absolutely. But overall, I thought the team came together incredibly well. Um, and then one person on my team suggested to me, because as we got late in the week um, and people had busted pipes and no power for four days and no food and they were working full, they were working in their homes on their phones in their cars to keep things going for our students and for our uh, our operations and and for our communications, mm -hmm. and um, and we asked the president if he would just make a few phone calls to a couple people that were really, you know doing a doing an amazing job yeah. and um and i think he would tell you i mean he pretty much everybody he spoke with was you know was overcome with emotion mm -hmm. with the idea that that sure. he and i just i think about that suggestion and i was so glad that that she made it and i just was like that's such a great wow was such an important thing and it, you know wasn't obviously we, we couldn't do that with everyone but we did start to kind of create shout outs on our social media and things for for people who are really go going above and beyond um, and they, that that's just what they do. That's what they do in their jobs. And we and they are, were kind of everyday heroes that were out there um, making it happen for yeah. for uh, for those who who needed food or you know power or uh, you know just additional support on on any 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 number of things. Mm. You read Bizarre Voice before I was. was it was a Bizarre Voice right before this role? No, I was at Macomb's School of okay. Business. Okay, and so I, I came into UT through Macomb's. Okay, okay. Um, and the. And Jay Hartzell, who is now our president, was the dean at Macomb's Business okay. School. And so he hired me as the CMO at Macomb's. Okay, got it. That's how we got connected. Okay. So so reflecting on your time at Bizarre Voice, because for those who don't know, Bizarre Voice is also a big presence here. Um, and you were in leadership there and leading at the helm. What are some of the things that you cultivated, learned at Bizarre Voice that you're still doing in your role now as you know head of marketing and comms at UT? The big takeaways from your experience there? Big lessons learned? Well... You know, I would just say, um, I would say continuation of lessons. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> um, relationships are really, really important. And, um, and marketing, the role of marketing in organizations is, is, is typically not the one calling the shots on the strategies or what we're doing or what we're not doing. Um, but there are critical in, in, in you know, in, Smart companies—they're obviously at the table at part of those conversations, but they're—they're they're not necessarily the lead. They're often a partner. They're an influencer, and and particularly in a B two B organization, they're very much a, a an influencer and a partner to the sales team. 
And, um, and I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed, um, the, the relationship building with the sales team and, and kind of understanding their world a little bit better. I was, I had been doing a lot of work in consumer marketing prior to that. So I hadn't really worked with a, you know, a software sales team. Mm. And so that was kind of a new experience. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but I think, and the thing there is, is, you know, do what you said you were going to do and, and build relationships. And because those are, you know, that's who you're really there to help kind of make their job easier. And so I think that's just a really important thing, regardless of what function that you're in, is sure. to understand who your your internal customer is mm-hmm. and and really being clear about what how you can work together and how you can build trust and build relationship. And I think it's been really difficult in this environment because of not being together sure. and, and moving into a new role where I was meeting a bunch of new people on Zoom right. Right. as opposed to having that relationship. But sure. I think um, I, I continue to come back to investing in relationships and that being an important an important part. Uh, Bizarre Voice did a really great job also of celebrating success. Mm. So every Friday we would have what was called the gong, which is a meeting where we'd all gather and we, we did it across, you know, a bunch of time zones because we had, we had folks in, in um, Australia, we had folks in France and Germany and London and as well as in New York and San Francisco and Austin. And so we stretched all those time zones and we created a, a, a meeting where you had the people in Austin physically there. Mm-hmm. And then we would, you know, have the, you know, life size was the video conferencing tool we would use. And you'd have everybody kind of come in and we'd get together on Friday morning. And, you know, if you're a new hire, you got to introduce yourself if you're uh, and then we would do uh, celebrate wins. We would talk about successes in different parts of the and then you get to go up and kind of bang the gong. Mm-hmm. And gong mm-hmm. in. So. I, I did add a gong at McCombs. I was gonna and, ask you if you did. Okay, and okay. I did. I did. We 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 got one. We we were um, I would say just kind of starting to get it going. I was mm-hmm. kind of early in in that, and I, that's something um, that I think is a really nice kind of symbolic thing. But I think you know, in, the, in in lieu of having that in place right now, which we which we don't, but I think would be a nice thing to add some sort of kind of physical um, emblem of, mm-hmm. of of how we celebrate success. It's also just being really, really clear and and um, frequent with your thank yous mm. and and telling people how much you appreciate their work. I do we do a, I do a lot of that because I know a lot of people on my team and other teams, particularly in this environment, have done mm-hmm. above and beyond, mm-hmm. have been working long hours for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I, I love. I mean, it's it's this never gets old. You know, I in in this role, I get to meet with the most amazing humans, right? Just like you, these marketing leaders and executives across the fortune 100 and beyond and and it's it's awesome to hear you know it's like you, as as a listener also as you know someone who you know who studies leadership as an in leadership in myself and so to hear you say things and i've heard a lot of executives say like of how you treat people and cultivating listening and some of these things you think that you know, people that are sitting in these really high positions have have done something secret superpower thing and it's like well how did you get there oh I listened and I was kind to people, you know, and I aligned with the with stakeholders. And and yeah, they're smart and brilliant, but it was just coming back to the table stakes of like being a really good human will get you as far as you want to go in this life. And so I love, like you said, saying thank you, saying thank you more often. Like there's some nuance, of course, there, but it's also you're saying thank you. And it's amazing how that will build a foundation that you can then, okay, let's build a Marcom strategy. Let's do something. So on in the note of, you know, the vein of the Marcom strategy, talk us through some of the things that UT's setting up to do differently this year, 
um, yeah, high level, you know, the details you want to get, but just talk about that new Marcom strategy. Sure. So I would say that the the communications team has been built and organized around managing our reputation through media, public relations, social media, kind of issues management or diffusion, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and and somewhat just just I don't want to say, say reactive because I think there's there's definitely a lot of proactive things that we do, but. But the team was really built to be focused on on kind of using those tools to, to maintain and, and build our reputation. What we haven't been focused on is as much as the marketing side of the house. So building our reputation through brand marketing, through brand storytelling, through more, you know, paid advertising. Um, and, That's surprising. And, and there's a there's definitely a um, there's definitely you know a long standing sense that you know higher education is is a is a is just that is education and it, you know marketing is this this you know uh, businessy term and we're not we're not a business we're mm. higher education mm. and so so does that marketing really matter and and um, and I would say absolutely it matters mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and um, and so. The state of Texas is graduating more high school seniors than probably any other state. We're one of the few states that is growing in our um, matriculation of, of, of high school students. And so we are we are a target. Many universities are coming to Texas to find their students. And so the competition for us is, is quite intense. Um, it's intense with our own competitors in our backyard right. for the same reason. That's right. And um, and scholarship money as a comp- as a you know is is incredibly incredibly important to to retaining or to recruiting and retaining the best and brightest students. So we have a competition for talent that is immense. Um, it's also that way in the city of Austin for staff talent for faculty talent. Um, and not just in Austin, but around. And so, so we definitely are thinking about marketing in those, in the, in the talent kind mm. of business for sure. I think, um, we've heard from, I've heard from, you know, friends and alums, you know, that, that we, they don't see Texas as much nationally and internationally mm. and they, and, and, um, you know, certainly it's well known, mm-hmm. uh, but, but they, but they see other schools and other universities more proactively branding themselves through, I mean, somebody, a friend of mine, a friend of mine asked me, like, when am I going to see a billboard in the airport of Texas? Yeah. And, and, and I was like, (laughs) great question. Um, and, um, and so we just, we just haven't really, and, and certainly, um, our reputation and our awareness has been something that has carried the university for a long period of time, but that is not enough. Mm. Um, and so, so I think, so what, what we'll see us do is build out more, um, more organizational structure and more strategies around around more traditional marketing, um, building on the media relations and the sure. social media and the reputation management we've been doing, you know, kind of at our core, but connecting those dots and 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 more proactively um, um, going after kind of building that brand mm. um, and the many and the, for the many different audiences and stakeholders and what that means to the many different audiences stakeholders. Mm-hmm. I think will it will be much more intentional around that and investing in more of those types of programs. Do you look at kind of the, you know, when you think about the audience of UT, right? Is it students, grad students? Like what, what are kind of the buckets you look at for like the UT, you know, brand in terms of who's the audience for UT? Excellent question. It's, it's, it's vast. 
it's um, it's definitely prospective students and families. Mm-hmm. It's current students. Mm-hmm. It's, I would say, somewhat of an, I would say, I call it a kind of an academic cluster, which is kind of uh, faculty, researchers, grad students uh, that are definitely postdocs, et cetera. That's kind of in that kind of, and there's there's obviously nuance in there, but there's a very kind of academic and research uh, focused mm-hmm. segment. Um, there's our just our general campus community, our employees and our students just at large in terms of the campus. The Austin community of businesses, nonprofits, uh, the city, um, you know, the whole that whole kind of and we that's an area where we have not been as proactive and intentional about building those relationships. And getting access and connecting with UT is very hard because there's so many different ways in and we're very decentralized and how do I get to the right person? So that's a huge part of what we're doing from a strategic planning perspective is really wanting to build those tighter connections with our partners, with our community, with our with Austin and Texas. And so that's really a, an important part of it. So that's that's there's a lot in there, but sure. it's, it's certainly a, a an external. And then I would say... Um, legislators and taxpayers you can think about that yep mm-hmm. <laughs> i think about that a lot a lot mm-hmm. and um and that's um that's definitely a um, that's a very different audience than sure. a prospective student sure and um or a business or an investor mm-hmm. so um and they're equally important they're obviously a, an important part of our our funding source they're an important part of our governing body um and so we're you know we're very you know kind of that's that's key and and, and taxpayers i mean we obviously you're the recipient of tax dollars. And sure. so we have to demonstrate that we're using these dollars wisely. Mm. Obviously, we get a lot more money now from other sources besides just the state, but um, but we still, um, we, we have to be good stewards. And so that's an important part. So that's kind of how, that's kind of wow. how I look at the different audiences. So do you go as, do you go as detailed in your role as looking at now this, maybe the new story, the new messaging that you're telling all of these audiences? Do you kind of look at okay because to me it's like there's there's so many modes of information coming at these people there's email there's you know all these things here are you looking at that at a high level and saying okay this is the message to this people this is the message are you evaluating all of those kind of new stories i i am and i think i think we're that's an area where we i think this is an area and this is where i think we have huge opportunity because we actually how we deal with each of these different audiences and engage with it is very spread out across the university. Right, right. There's different groups that have ownership or 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 relationship with those audiences across campus. So how do you know what the left hand and the right hand is doing? So some of some of what I've done from an organizational structure is bring in some units that were in other areas and and kind of centralized so that mm. we can create some of those um, so we can create a tighter, you know, sure. connection there of how are we talking to this particular audience. Um, the strategic plan and the key initiatives that come out of it are gonna be the kind of the crux of how we move forward and how we uh, set our sights on the future. And so, but how you communicate that and message that to a prospective student or a prospective employee versus to a taxpayer versus to the business community is very different. So that's something we will absolutely be doing is, is building out the, you know, kind of the core messages that sure. we want to deliver to everyone. Sure. But how do you nuance and tweak those for these different audiences? And what proof points are you using that are right. that are different for students and prospective employees versus what you would tell um, a legislator or a taxpayer sure. or what you would tell the media? And right. um, so anyway, so that's 
those are th- that that whole effort is we're about to kind of embark on that and uh, of rethinking that and and part of what I've been doing is trying to build the organizational infrastructure to support that you know we have, I have good some some direct reporting and some dotted line reporting relationships and in other cases just good collaboration and partnership mm-hmm. with communications and marketing folks across campus mm-hmm. so um, but definitely that's a priority is to okay. when we're talking to, to to certain audiences or stakeholders we we need to be we need to all be singing from the same right. song sheet. You talked about built kind of hiring a new team um, and centralizing some things. So those connect two things connected, hiring the new team and then bringing some things in. Talk about this new team a bit and also just kind of your process for, you know, high, you know, building a high performing team. Because I don't know who the team is. And I would imagine if you're involved in bringing some people together, they've got to be amazing. So maybe talk us through what that looked like and the specialties you looked for and kind of how you evaluate bringing people on. Sure. Um well, it starts with recognizing that I was never going to be able to accomplish what the president wanted to accomplish with the current number of people and the, the structure that we had. But I had to have a moment to kind of live in it for a while mm. and then take a step back and do some benchmarking, talk to some of my peers. The, the higher ed marketing and communications community is unbelievably strong and they're very supportive of one another. And so there's always someone uh, uh, to talk to about what they're doing and to get share and, and learnings from. So I'm uh, definitely tapped into the community and found out that um, that I was kind of missing a layer of leadership. Um, and part of that was because the job before me was, was a chief communications position that was not a vice presidential role. And so when we moved this, when, when we moved in, when I came into the job, I proposed the president that this be a vice president role at the university because it's that at most universities. And by creating a, a layer and making it a vice president, that then opened up layers of leadership that I could add because of the because just of the, the room, the headroom. Okay. And so that's just kind of an organizational challenge. Mm-hmm. And so what I noticed from other uh, peers is that they had assistant and associate vice presidents over um, over big parts of the portfolio. Well, I had two directors that managed people. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and so, and so, so I wanted to think about, okay, well, where do I, so I had to think about where do I want to take this organization mm-hmm. and then what parts of the portfolio does, you know, what portfolios of, of communications and marketing do I want to have? And so I ended up with a, um, with a team, uh, structured around three assistant vice presidents. So one who's, really focused on the academic side of the house um, and our academic operation, our academic communications, um, okay. at, you know, which includes research and the colleges and schools and all of the, the provost office, all okay. of that type of work. And then I have a university communications, an AVP for university communications, that's all of the administrative and campus and operational and, and you know, kind of PR and, and, and kind of... Um, crisis management, issues management, kind of general communications. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have an AVP of marketing who I just hired. And so I've got two p- positions in place. One I'm still looking for. Okay. And so that was kind of one, but I, I had to go look around and see what other people were doing. And then I had to go pitch to the president that I needed the funds to go hire these people. Mm-hmm. And he graciously agreed. And, um, and we have been, so I've been going down that path. And so I, I'm almost done. Were they on the outside? Or were they already at U- or kind of inside the UT system? Well, I I ended up um, for the academic position. I I wanted to 
bring somebody from UT. Okay. I felt like it was important that we have somebody mm -hmm. internally. So I, I did make an internal hire there and I didn't open it up to external hires. Um, the marketing job, I opened it up and I okay. looked at external and internal and I ended up hiring an internal person. Okay. And okay. so I have two really strong AVPs that came from UT. And um, and then I'm, and like I said, I'm in the process of, of, of looking at uh, an AVP of communications and I'm currently working on a search with a, with a firm. Okay. Okay. Awesome. When you, in terms of like looking at the funnel for, you know, like just demand gen, right? Mm -hmm. Like a, just in terms of just the student, you know, bringing new students into the university. Right. Um, did you dive into that and change much there in terms of the plan, in terms of demand gen and how they're attracting new students? And, and are you getting pretty deep in the weeds there? Or was that system kind of already running and gunning and you're like, let's not mess with that. It's not broken. Well, it wasn't part of my team initially. So um, there was a marketing and communications effort around admissions that sat in another organization, one of those again, kind of okay. decentralized. Yep. And so, um, however, it was, um, I, I have since brought it into my team. Uh, okay. It was one of those that felt clear from a lot of different lens, lenses that was going to be a, a good uh, a good um, function to bring into the to the university marketing and communications team. So, so I did bring that in. I brought that in over the summer, and then um, just recently, with we've had a presidential change and a provost change. We've had some transition in leadership on the admissions front, and so we've we've kind of agreed that it's a great time to reevaluate how we're doing what we're doing. And we certainly, during the pandemic, where many other universities struggled, we were very fortunate. We had some of our biggest classes. I think to some degree that first year in the pandemic, people stayed closer to home where they might have gone away. So we benefited from that. And we've continued to, to, to just kind of stay focused on our, a steady drumbeat of, of marketing and communications that we do in the, in the, in the admissions area. But we literally, that, that, that's like one of my, one of my hot topics right now with the team is we have a really great opportunity. We've just done all the, um, we're, do, we're in the process of admitting the students, all the application closed December 1st. So we're in the process of admitting students now, and then we'll have to yield them. But now is the time to rethink how do we do our demand gen for next mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And we're having some really fun conversations mm -hmm. about ideas that we have there's a lot of openness to new ideas cool and so i'm excited about what and that like that's my that's a lot of my background comes from that type of right. marketing so of course i'm i'm you know i'm really excited about that and um and i have some some great folks on my team who are excited about that as well some who are newer some who've got some history working yeah. with that so they have some perspective so i i think we're about to we're about to give that a shot in the arm hmm there's something we can talk about um just kind of innovation and like things that you're, you know, either interested in experimenting around or already experimenting around this, you know, we, we're hearing a lot uh, from marketing leaders around AI and machine learning and um, AR, VR, interesting thing. Of course, there's all this talk about Web3 and the metaverse and NFTs. I'd love to kind of get your just thoughts on all of those things. Innovation, just kind of in general, where is where are you in the kind of UT team innovating and trying new things? And then what's your take on you know, the metaverse and Web3 and NFTs and this whole blockchain world that we're moving into? Well, my take on that is that UT is going to be, from a research and an impact perspective, at the forefront of those. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the story is at mm -hmm. UT, is, um, is in our research and our innovation and the things that we're commercializing and working with businesses on. 
and um, you know we have centers around AI and blockchain and and all of that mm-hmm. type of um, innovation that's happening. And so we are the hub of that. We are wanting to connect more with our Austin community and our and the Texas community to again be partners and to to share and to innovate together and. But that is a that's a huge part of of what we're doing at the university. And as a marketing and communications team, it's our job to tell those stories. We are, um, I would say, from a marketing and communications kind of technology standpoint at UT, we're we're in, I would say, a little behind where mm. we should be. And uh, and I think I I put a lot of that on the decentralized nature of our organization. And that's one of the things that I really want to focus on is building out a stronger um, kind of center around um, digital innovation and experience. Um, We have pockets of it in different places where particularly around student-related activities and things where, you know, we we developed an app for uh, for COVID. Um, so when you come to campus, you take a little symptom check and all that kind of stuff. So we, d- we developed that in-house. It's been, it's where you, what you show when you go to testing so they can like make sure that you've um, filled out all the forms and all this stuff. So we've, we, you know, we've been doing some of that kind of stuff internally. I think we've got some really great opportunities in using new technologies to connect with our constituents. Um, but we've got some additional foundational things that we need to, to, to get our arms around. Mm-hmm. And that'll definitely be part of uh, part of the work that that I do, I think you know, part of our strategic plan is very much focused on IT and and what we need, what technology we really mm-hmm. need in place to be successful. And I continue to say it can't just be back end; it also has to be front end. Yes, it has to be marketing technology. We need we need better coordination and 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 scale around our around our marketing tech stack and, and mm. things like that. And so so those are some of the things that I'm I'm really thinking about and and. Um, you know, we experiment and we think about adding new social platforms, mm-hmm. but we also, I would say we haven't necessarily been super all out on the risk curve for that kind of, uh, for that kind of, um, I, don't, I don't think higher education in general is super far out on the risk curve for those type of technologies. You know, we, a lot of our students obviously are on TikTok. We're not on TikTok. Hmm. Yet or ever? <laughs> I think that's a question. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think there's certainly some hesitation because mm-hmm. of some of the privacy and security issues related to TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, do our students really want us out there and engaging mm-hmm. with them on TikTok? I, I don't. I don't know. Is that really? Uh, that's kind of more. Uh, that's what they like to communicate with sure. one another on. Do sure. they really want communications from us? Um, smart video. We we do. We joke about it as an executive team because we're all older <laughs> and and uh you know how we can you know we can be cool like the kids and get on tiktok and, yeah. and we're like yeah. do they really want us there and and so um you know so we we you know we talk about it sure we uh um and and i think i would say during the pandemic we um we have uh leaned heavily into our social platforms with people not being around as much i mean that was that was such a huge community building part and we have we have good. Um, uh, we have a ton of social platforms across the university. Perhaps too many, and uh, but we have a council that works together to try to create some some um, some standardization of uh, best practices and and to connect the dots when we're having a partic- when we have a particular announcement or program. Like which channels are, are going to lead on that, and which mm-hmm. channels are going to amplify. Mm. So um, when you've got a huge 
it's just massive. I mean, we've yeah. got so many websites, we've got so many social channels. And and so, you know, I certainly would love to bring a bit more structure to that, but sure. also make sure that the different audiences and, 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 uh, and entry points into the university are not robotic, you mm. know, because the, 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 it's just so vast. So, you know, you can't, you can't serve everybody right. individually, but we, but we do need, you do need some flexibility. In terms of the support that you have now with, of course, you know, the budgets at UT and the things that I mean, it's like, to me, it's like now you've got this ability to put things in place, you know, hire people you need, build out new infrastructure, you know, buy the technology you need, test the others, you know, and stay stay on the cutting edge. Um, do you feel like that, you know, what's your relationship with velocity and just moving fast now? Do you feel like now you've got all this support that maybe you didn't have before in other roles and other other places, and now you have like this, this, this space that you get to kind of play with and create? Do you feel like you've just got that creativity and support that's not unlimited, but virtually like you can do what you want? It's getting there. Okay. I, I think so key to hitting our stride from a velocity perspective is going to be getting the uh, the new marketing communications plan that aligns with our strat plan in place and, and the org structure that we have to support it. I mean, we have, like everyone else, been dealing with attrition and um, you know people coming and going, and so um, in a time where it's just been heavily, the workload has been taxing, and so so we're kind of coming out of that and and starting to think about all right, where do, where are our next places to invest, and where do we want to where do we want to build? So we've we've um, I feel like we're right on the precipice of being able to um, to really step on the gas and go do these things mm-hmm. that we've been talking about doing, and it it it's just a it takes time, and I think that I know that putting a um, a clear plan with "I'm going to go do these five things first in front of the president will yield an answer that I'll be able to move on. May not be everything all at once, but but it but um, but I have no doubt that he is committed to seeing us build this out the way that we want to build it out. It's just a matter of how we cadence it. How, in terms of the data that you have access to, right? I mean, you've got all this data, historical data. Certainly, data that's. I mean, you have all the data coming in. It's this. The it's gold, right? It's the oil, right? Mm-hmm. And so, how much are you looking at data, historical data, current data? Like, how much are you evaluating that to kind of dictate what you're putting in motion moving forward? Because it's like, to me, it's like you could have a dashboard. I mean, specifically you. I mean, there's so much you could look at, engagement and all these different audiences and all these different things. And and how do you kind of assess that? And yeah, because like to me, this that's a whole you know, fire hose that you could choose to turn on or all, you know, it's like, how do you kind of deal with all the data? What are you doing with that? Gosh, the data is, I mean, you could spend all day in the data. And, um, you know, we're going through some substantial efforts as a university to, to integrate and provide the right tools to access the data in a more, in, a, in, a, in an easier way. And so um, there's a lot of work going on around that. So, but the data that we have just, on our social media platforms and our media reach and our website traffic and engagement related to things is is voluminous as mm. you can imagine. And so, you know, we certainly I'm 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 looking at things you know, certainly periodically, quarterly, how are we doing? How are these, you know, kind of these sites performing? How are these channels working for us, etc. But I'm also and that I think that helps you the, the data is not telling us that we're that there's something over here that we're not doing. 
Uh, and I think I think what you have to do is you also have to combine the data with the the, the hard data and the quantitative data with the quality, uh, the listening and the conversation and what are you hearing. And so I think I think we're doing a lot better at that than um, than I felt like we were when I first started. Um, and I again I think some of that's just a, just a result of just kind of resources and all the things that people sure. are trying to do. But sure. but I, I do think you can get paralyzed by the data. And you know I loved the. Malcolm Gladwell book, hmm. Blink. Blink. Oh, great one. Right. Where, he, you know, the key is, is like there's so much data, but what's actually important? Yep. What is actually telling you something? Yep. And so, so I, I um, you know, and, and, one, and one of the great pieces of data that we have is how do we perform against our peers in terms of, um, in terms of media reach and, and impressions and share voice. And we do incredibly well. And that's a story that we probably don't tell as much as we should, but mm -hmm. we, we really, and that's, that, but that's a really affirming piece of data that I've sure. looked at kind of periodically that it's like, okay, this is good. This is, it, you know, in other places we may have gaps or we may not be where we want to be, but, but we do have some good affirming data that, that show we're, we're on the right track. Mm, that's awesome. In terms of just like metrics and like levers that you look at, you know, what are some of the things that you're looking at? Maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly. What are some, cause in your role again, head of comms, head of marketing, what are some of the big buckets and, you know, things that you're looking at on a weekly, monthly, bi-monthly basis? Well, I'm thinking, are you saying means in terms of data or just in general? Yeah, and in general. Yeah, in general. Like, what are the numbers, metrics, levers that you look at that you're like, okay, I want to got to go spend some time there. Right. That's doing great. That's not like, because to me, you got to look at a lot of things. Right. What are some of the things that you're paying attention to? Well, definitely paying attention to um, the uh, admissions-related data, the application mm -hmm. data, the enrollment data. Okay. Uh, that that's going to be something that I'm going to be paying much closer attention to, uh, particularly in this admission cycle. Okay. So that's that's really key. Um, I will, you know, somewhat tongue-in-cheek. One of the uh, key dashboards and, and data that I look at is our COVID dashboard. Every day, mm -hmm. what's our positivity rate? Mm -hmm. um, how's Austin doing? How many people are in the hospital? Mm -hmm. um, that is something that now obviously. I'm not making policy about that. Right. I'm involved in the conversations about that, but I, I mean, it's not something that I control or I'm alone in doing. Sure. But I am communicating sure. weekly with our campus. We are we send out a newsletter with an update on all the things that are going on. And 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 also we're doing other types of communications. And so understanding the backdrop and the context in which we're operating is really important. And that's just such a obviously is such a critical part. I look forward to the days that it is not, <laughs> yeah. but it is absolutely a critical part of what I look at every day. And so um, the other thing is that we are focused on is ensuring that we're spending enough time telling good news stories. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, is a conversation we have a lot and, and, and it's not that we, we haven't been telling good mm -hmm, news stories, mm -hmm. but we were all, we've all been pretty inundated over the last couple of years with not great news between um all of the 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 pandemic related mm -hmm. news the political related news the social justice and the racial reckoning conversations and the news around that i mean it's been a lot mm -hmm. and and we have a lot of great things to say about what we're doing as a university somewhat related to those things as well as to other things so i think just really making sure that we're that we're talking about our strategies to get those stories out. The media wants to tell a story often that's a bit more controversial mm -hmm. than a good news story, mm -hmm. but there are outlets, there are ways, and and um, and and we are really intentional about about 
you know, how many stories a month can we get out there, 10 to 12 stories locally and statewide where we've got our researchers, our experts, our, you know, what our enrollment stats, our progress on diversity inclusion issues. What are, you know, what, what do we have to say and really making sure that we're getting out there and telling those good news stories. Mm, I love it. Awesome. Okay. Let's get into a couple uh, fun questions. First question is a good idea that you had recently was to listen to podcasts in the morning while I'm getting ready for work as a way to get my news and information. Mm, love it. Finish this sentence. Courage is contagious. Love that. Um, a time when you made a powerful choice was when I decided to move to Washington, D.C. Mm, any context there? I had a job opportunity. I was had been living in Dallas for a long time. I knew Dallas wasn't my long term plan. Uh, I loved D.C. when I was there as an intern when I was in college, and I had an opportunity to take a job and move myself across country, which was a bit of a risk, but yeah. I felt calculated and uh, with good kind of safety net provisions if things blew up. That's great. And, uh, and it was, I spent six years in the area, and it was hands down some of my best years. I love that. Okay. Finish this sentence, please. What I love and appreciate about myself is... My self-awareness. That's great. You know, like many leaders, particularly women leaders, I I tend to be a bit hard on myself, but um, I prefer to be a little harder on myself than not hard enough. Mm. So I think finding that balance and Mm -hmm. I think I think my self-awareness is key on on kind of taking the temperature and, and recognizing when I'm over got it <laughs> berating myself for yeah. this that and the other that's good okay um when i want to feel more joy i take a walk mm. i share that one with you what are you secretly curious about i am secretly curious about i am always very curious about what lies underneath the ocean Mm. I am jointly curious and terrified okay. by what is under the water. Oh, I love that answer. That's <laughs> Took okay. me a minute, but I got That's there. Good. Okay. <laughs> Last question. I know that I am strong because. I am so blessed that I had amazing, loving parents who set me on, I think, a really great course to be a uh, kind and tolerant and creative person. And uh, they, they fostered that and they gave, they gave me that at a very young age. And I, that is where I, a lot of where I get my strength is I that, that upbringing. That's awesome, awesome. Emily, thank you so much for being here. This was the best part of my week for sure. And just thank you so much for being here. This was incredible. Learning about your perspective and your experience is just insane. I feel like we need a couple more hours to go to, to go there, but this was awesome. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I love doing this kind of thing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience 
Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.